Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Jake Doberins. Jake wears many hats, such as minister and university resident director. Jake dabbles in a variety of art forms, such as podcasting and writing. Jake has earned two degrees from Oklahoma Christian University, a bachelor's in Bible and a master of theological studies. In 2020, Jake founded Theophany Media, a Christian entertainment and education company that explores the intersection of Christ and creativity. Jake lives in Oklahoma City with his wife and cat. Welcome to the show, Jake. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Well, I've got to ask off the top, what is your wife? What is your wife's name and what's your cat's name? Yes, very important. I'm ashamed that I did not add that to my bio. Don't tell my wife nor my cat. Um, my wife's name is Samantha and my cat's name is Simon. Awesome. Samantha... Samantha and Simon, then? Samantha and Simon. Interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Well, uh, welcome to the show. What else would you like our listeners to know about you? I just, I don't know. I have a eclectic hobbies, and uh, I like to create all sorts of different things. Um, I don't like to be put in a box. I like to just do it all. So it's always hard to describe yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, bios are quite the challenge because i can't fit the 45 different titles i have in there so that's all i'll say see jake mine is easy because i just say like white white suburban dad that fills in a lot of boxes (laughs) all right all right fair enough (laughs) so if you ever had me on your podcast um you can all introduce myself as white suburban dad (laughs) There you go. I like it. Well, uh, thanks for being here. Kind of share your kind of your faith journey, uh, what it looked like to you to come to faith and what that looked like today. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm that guy that was raised in church all his life. You know, the kind of cliche when the church doors were open, you know, I was there kind of thing. Um, maybe not quite like that, but, but pretty close. Um, my, my my parents were both, you know, lifelong members of the Church of Christ, and so I grew up in the Church of Christ, and that was just kind of the thing, and um, grew up uh, among that, got very involved um, church. What was actually kind of the, what was a big turning point in my life, um, went back up a little bit, um, in elementary school, my dad worked at a Christian bookstore and then became the owner of the Christian bookstore, and one of the things that happened with that is we would travel uh, and he would sell books at conferences and lectureships and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so in the summer he would take me along and I went to a a camp in Northern California with him and I got to hear these kind of speakers talk about these things I never heard about, uh, mainly apologetics Hmm. and Christian evidences and that kind of stuff. So, That was like summer after third grade, and that kind of started to get 
me thinking, but fast forward to sixth grade, I just kind of was like amazed that like not everybody knew the things I knew. <laughs> like I was kind of confused. Wait, why isn't everybody a Christian? Yeah. It's kind of like obvious. Like, come on. Yeah. Not quite though, uh, in reality. But but that, that really started my journey and I took my faith seriously and, um, you know, even being in a public school, I was like the preacher kid and, and people kind of knew what I stood for and I was very vocal about that um, for, for several years after that. And then I come to college and it's my first kind of Christian school environment, um, except for like preschool. <laughs> And um, I get to have a Bible class for the first time, taught by someone with a PhD, uh, one of my first Bible classes, Old Testament professor, the guy knows nine languages, half of those are dead languages, you know, like really smart people, and I'm suddenly getting to learn from them, and uh, they tell me some things that were different than I had learned growing up. Mm. Um, and so that was definitely a challenge of trying to work through that and um, sort of, uh, I don't want to say hating them, but just being so frustrated with, why don't you believe what I believe? Yeah. Um, but you're also a really smart person, so what's going on? So a little bit of a crisis. There wasn't really a moment, more like just a series of steps on certain issues that I was just like, okay, actually, I don't hold that as firmly as I once did. Yeah. And... Voila, I'm here today, a very different person than sixth grade Jake, most definitely. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm a different person than sixth grade Lauren, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Jake, uh, I'm kind of the inverse of you because, like, I'm pretty much my entire educational experience has been Christian school, save for like two semesters at a, no, a few semesters uh, at a state school. Um, but I mean, I have a lot of education and <laughs> 99% of it is uh, Christian based, interestingly enough. So, um, what has been a spiritual practice that's been meaningful for you or you might recommend to others? Yeah. Um, I was always told to, you know, read your Bible and, um, I, you know, still like that. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible and, and all that. And I would even tell people that as a kid, but the actual discipline was a lot harder. And I think what changed for me is I gave myself permission to read the Bible at my own pace, to take my time to really sit with it. So I, I'm not saying these are bad, but I reject the, like the, the Bible in a year plan. I feel like it's just read through it really fast. Just check it off the list just to say, you checked it off the list. So a spiritual practice for, that's been really beneficial for me is just reading the Bible, taking it slow, you know, asking questions, doing digging. Um, if there's something that really weird in there, stop and try to figure out what's going on here. Just take it slow. So I have read through the Bible. Um, it took me almost two years, um, but you know, it's not a race. And I just did that a little bit each morning and just took my time. And I really feel like I I got something from it. And it wasn't just a box I had to check because, you know, you're like supposed to read your Bible or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. I just started like a, started again a reading the Bible in a year program. And 
one thing that's coming across to me is, man, the Bible is weird, but that's another conversation that we don't have time yes. for today. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, I brought Jake on because uh, I got a chance to talk to him and, you know, enjoy chatting with him. And he's actually, I think, my first uh, first guest with a background in the Church of Christ. So, Jake, I think we talked about this, but we're kind of like estranged siblings because uh, I'm ordained in the Disciples of Christ. And, mm -hmm. I mean, Church of Christ, along with Independent Christian Church, comes out of this restoration that's the right, right, right word, right? Restoration uh, mm -hmm. movement from a couple guys, Barton Stone and Alexander Campbell, and we're already boring people with, you know, unnecessary church history. Um, so Jake has, as we were talking, Jake's done a lot of work uh, and done a lot of, a lot of, you know, stuff as I've read in his bio. But the thing that I wanted to hear from Jake's perspective, because I think this is a perspective that happens to a lot of people in many different contexts, pastors specifically, and church leaders, is when you find yourself in a church that doesn't necessarily fit in like your own kind of theology. Um, the first church I served as a solo pastor at was a church that I was, you know, very much more to the left than the church congregation as a whole. Um, so kind of describe your experience, Jake, um, and then, you know, what, what's been the biggest struggle, I think, for you in that context? Yeah, well... The the Church of Christ is a really hard, um, don't tell him I said this, denomination to <laughs> to kind of, you know... Only the restorationists would get that inside joke. Yeah, well, you're right, yeah. So, a little quirk of the Church of Christ, we don't like to call ourselves a denomination. Yeah. We're just, you know, the regular church, everybody else is a perversion. <laughs> just kidding. Um <laughs> So it, it's difficult to kind of stereotype all of that because one of the features is autonomous churches and everybody kind of does their own thing. But in general, there are some things with the Church of Christ um, where I could say they, they lean a little bit more conservative. Um, actually lean pretty conservative in most cases. If we're looking at everything in a spectrum, which I don't always like the liberal to conservative spectrum. I think my journey doesn't quite fit on a spectrum. There's some loop-de-loops and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But for the sake of ease, you know, the Church of Christ is, is a lot more conservative, um, specifically among the older generation, as I'm sure it's the same case in a lot of different churches. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm ministering in this kind of context, um, having a having more of an education than most of my congregation, at least specifically more of a biblical education, um, having these views, having read different things. Um, so I am ministering a congregation that is a lot more conservative than where I am at. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've kind of found myself sort of accidentally in this ministry role. Um, I started as a college minister. Now I'm I think I'm the associate minister, but I like to say I'm the, the minister of miscellany. Like, it's just whatever <laughs> needs to be done. That's what I do. Yeah. And I'm happy to do it. Um, and, and so I'm in this context, not the, you know, not the, not the main guy in charge, so to speak, but trying to impact people and teach them and all of that. But then still finding myself having to navigate from what the church mostly believes and then what I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I will say this. Um, 
the one of our secretaries has been at the church for almost 30 years has, and has been working at the church for 30 years and has attended the church longer than that. And uh, she's kind of like our de facto church historian. She has described my congregation as just left of center, hmm. which is interesting um, because it what what center center in this case is probably like stereotypical Church of Christ. Yeah. So I guess we're left of that. Yeah. Because if you're divorced and remarried, we don't like hate you. <laughs> so that makes us more progressive than some other churches. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's interesting. And we do have a good variety. Um, and, and so that makes it nice, um, that there is a variety of views in people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been at congregations and worked with congregations and seen other congregations that like pretty much down the line, you can tell who did they vote for in this last election yeah. and what do they believe? My church has some diversity. And so I do really appreciate that. Yeah. What what would you say like I I'm it's interesting what you said about the like the the biblical education piece and I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I mean I even even now I think that's one of the biggest challenges in that I think I heard this somewhere that like you know we get people for like an hour a week in most in many cases and you know they get their cable news for what 20 hours a week, something I don't remember, sure. but it's just kind of like, like bonkers when we think about how much the average person gets in church on a Sunday morning, only in most cases, versus what they get everywhere else. Like, to some extent, that's going to be inevitable. There's going to be this divide between the clergy who are very educated and well-versed in biblical education Versus folks in the pews or in the chairs or whatever they're sitting on who have little education and it is what it is. Like, do you think that that divide can even be overcome or is it just something that we're just going to continue to navigate? It's a really hard one because what I don't want to say is everybody needs a Bible degree. Yeah. Um, I, and I also don't want to say just because I have a Bible degree, uh, that I'm better than anybody else, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and so that makes it really challenging. Even when I bring up my credentials, if I'm having a certain discussion, no, I actually studied this in graduate school. Mm-hmm. People accuse you, you know, of being elitist or something or yeah. um, whatnot. Or, you know, the, the often repeated refrain that like the gospels are at a fifth grade reading level, which, you know, is is, is true to some extent, but that doesn't mean there are there aren't complexities there um, and we're reading this in English and it wasn't in English. So there's some stuff we have to, we have to dig on. Yeah. And it's interesting in the church of Christ tradition, speaking to the people I know the best, we have historically really valued um, knowing your Bible super well. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time have also historically been really weary of scholarship that's seen as secular and liberal yeah. and and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really interesting kind of thing. You know, we didn't get the first PhDs in Church of Christ until probably the 50s or 60s, and, hmm. and even then it was pretty rare. Um, you know, my alma mater, Oklahoma Christian University, um, 
you know, there it wasn't too long ago when their Bible department were all local ministers. Interesting. Not, not PhDs. Interesting. Um, but I, I that shift has happened. Yeah, I don't know if if uh, Church of Christ would consider themselves as part of this, but I feel like kind of the fundamentalist movement within American Christianity kind of had this aversion to scholarship, while also this like real appreciation for the Bible of knowing the Bible. Cause mm-hmm. I know I grew up independent Baptist and it's funny. There's a network of churches that, that were very averse to the idea of being a denomination, but were for all intents and purposes, a denomination in that same way. Um, you know, very, very biblically based, but kind of at least historically very averse to kind of scholarship in that same way. Uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, I, I know I didn't really answer your question or solve it, but just some of the background of the issue. It, yeah. It really comes out of this, like, enlightenment rationalism. Yeah. We can just, like, think our way into salvation or something like that, and sometimes pulling in other resources or admitting that we don't have all the data already preloaded into our brain. That can make people really uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so I, I recognize that. I think there's a shift in a lot of churches value in education and 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 different viewpoints too um, because that's really what what education provides isn't just a bunch of smart people just telling you you know a bunch of random things lecturing at you it's also about looking at different perspectives and being exposed to things that you're never exposed to before and that's what leads you to think wait a second this thing that i believe this other person has really good reasons to believe something different. Yeah. What What, what do I do here? Yeah. yeah. What would you say, like, what keeps you kind of getting back to this idea of you in you or, or, or a listener serving in a church that doesn't necessarily fit with them where they're at theologically? Like, what what keeps you or what has kept you in a church that doesn't necessarily align with your theological viewpoints? The answer is I love my tradition. Mm. Um, I know the Church of Christ. I know our quirks, mm-hmm. the the language, the style of worship. I know this place. And so I feel a connection to mm. what we do. Um, I, I, I feel like I couldn't so easily jump ship. I would be abandoning this this tradition that has shaped me and done a lot of good for me. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, there are progressive churches of Christ out there. Um, there's a couple in town that probably could line up with my views pretty, pretty exactly Mm -hmm. that are still considered church of Christ. Um, but I just feel like this, this tradition, the traditional kind of, expression of the church of christ i just feel called to this place Hmm. um i suppose like a mission field of sorts Hmm. these are my people yeah and if i jump ship they're never going to change yeah Uh, they're they're never going to know um if all the if all the the good people leave yeah um, well let me rephrase that not good but, you know, if these people with these other viewpoints leave, yeah. then it's just going to become this monolithic thing, and that's going to be super destructive. Yeah. So you really, you, if I'm hearing you right, you really see it as an opportunity to bring change to the system then, yeah? Partially, yeah, I, at least. I wanna, right. Um, recognizing some limits. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing that I can't force change. Yeah. Um, 
ministry, as you know, is kind of weird, yeah, um, to say the least. And and so, one sense you're the leader, but also there's a sense in which the church. I don't know what the phrase almost said owns you, but that's not a good. Uh, the, the the church is is also sort of your bosses in a case. Yeah, um, yeah. And like you, you're serving them and leading them at the same time, right? And it's really complicated. Really complicated. So what I can't do is walk in tomorrow and said, "Guess what, guys? Here is what we're gonna do. <laughs> this is what we we believe now, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna change everything." Um. With I, I can't do that without causing an uproar. And, you know, church, church ministry is not about making everybody happy. Yeah. Um, if it would, uh, well, it just wouldn't work that way because that's impossible. So it's a incredibly difficult balancing act. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there's change. Um, I've seen change. I'm surprised sometimes when, you know, I'll be talking to a 70-year-old woman and um, she'll say some things that, in my, you know, I didn't think seven-year-old women would believe. Yeah. Um, and, and how she has changed her views on things. Like, it can happen. People yeah. can change. And that's that's what I'm here for. And, and really, you know, ignoring the progressive slash conservative kind of things, mm-hmm. ministry is about changing people. Yeah. The whole goal is to leave them better than when you first came in. Um hard to do that but that's kind of the kind of the mission yeah i mean it's why uh i shouldn't admit this on air but this is one of the reasons why i still like to listen to a lot of quote-unquote conservative voices because i think there's a lot of pastoral wisdom to be gleaned um you know wherever wherever someone is on the theological spectrum um amen i, I want to respond just to something else i heard in your answer and i, I kind of said i was going to ask you about this so this is this is where i'm, I'm asking you about this but I remember when I was in high school, uh, there was this book by an author, I think his name was Henry Blackaby, and I've heard this name mentioned again on some of these podcasts I've been listening to, kind of this theme around like responding to where God is, like being a part of where God is, you can see God in work, in action. And I don't know, I certainly think this is true of like when I was very much on the conservative spectrum. and. I don't mean to disparage my my liberal progressive colleagues, but I think this can be also be true in liberal progressive context. There's this idea that like God is only on our side, and that God is only working, you know, in churches that are aligned with our theological beliefs. And I've really been challenged by that of late to think about and to recognize and maybe even consider like participating in being a part of churches that don't necessarily align with where I'm at hundred percent theologically, but it's pretty evident that God is working. And like, I, I guess it's a very complicated question there for you to respond to. Cause I kind of got a theological question about, you know, would you agree? And then be like, what's your kind of like response uh, to that in general? Yeah, I definitely agree that, um, you know, God is not on one party's side or the other. Um, you know, I, well, you know, my, my company's named Theophany Media and that, that Theophany language, uh, I use that deliberately because I believe God can show up in all sorts of places. Yeah. Burning bush. Yep. Um, sure. You know, God can show up all sorts of places and, and, um, 
you know, throughout Scripture, God shows up in foreign nations and through some questionable people, and uh, God's still working and doing good. And because in these more conservative spaces that I spent so much time in, I got to know some people that I think are genuinely good mm. and, um, you know, these true saints. Um, I can't just throw them under the bus because, yeah. you know, they don't believe this about scripture and, and, and things like that. And they don't believe X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, I, I see their heart Yeah. and we have some disagreements, but I just, I think God's too big to be fit in our boxes and just to be on one camp or the other. I mean, I think like I would, I would say too, like I'm thinking about, um, I can't remember Robert Funk. He was the Je- Jesus seminar guy. Obviously would be classified as super, super liberal in most contexts. But I remember reading one of his books a few years ago and I thought, man, what a guy, what a man of faith. Um, and I think it's hard. I think it can be really hard. Um, I think this is where the, 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 the divide or the stereotypes can get really difficult because like you said, like I grew up very conservative. I know a lot of people who are very conservative still. And I consider them like, I can see their faith, they're passionate about their faith. And there's some things that I disagree with. There's some things that I think are troubling. I think that might be a strong word or at least have troubling implications and might even be negative toward other people unintentionally. Um, but I, I do believe deep down in their heart, they have a deep felt desire to follow Jesus. And like, I think if we have the attitude towards whatever people are theologically, that if we could see within them a deep down desire to follow the way of God, like that would be a huge step. Yeah. Amen. Um, do you think, I think I've kind of asked this question, but I want to answer it again, just cause I feel like it's such an important question, at least in my mind, like how, like, is there ways that you've found that you can begin to bridge that kind of divide between lay person and clergy as far as just knowledge education like like do you think it's like might it be like more opportunities for kind of small groups theological discussions you know um even like sunday morning messages that are kind of open-ended like what do you think yeah i mean the compound answers depends (laughs) on your context and all that yeah I, i kind of think that's true um I think the smaller group environment is a great place to do that mm-hmm. where um, you're sitting with them in the circle and you're not the clergy. You're just another person with a perspective and, and encouraging other people's perspectives. Um, even sometimes bad perspectives or just like crazy perspectives, like where in the world did you pull that out? <laughs> sometimes encouraging that gently while, while challenging when appropriate. Yeah. Um, can be can be really good. I, I, I think that you know my church responds sometimes to some more, um, kind of heady discussions and, mm-hmm. um, our Bible class right now is going through G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man, hmm. which is kind of crazy for a 
a, a congregation of lay people to be going through just kind of casually. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're okay with having some of those discussions, um, and, and having that happen at church. And so I think that's, that's good. Um, I, I always, I always am, am cautious about portraying myself as the expert mm-hmm. while also recognizing that, you know, I don't want to show off, but I do want people to know, like, okay, I've kind of studied a little bit more than you on certain subjects. Um, <laughs> yeah. But again, like, inviting those other perspectives, because even with study, there are things I can just miss. Yeah. And as a Bible class teacher for years and years, in those discussion-based classes, sometimes I'm just blown away by the perspectives given and the connections made that I just don't, hmm. I just never did. Yeah. Um, and just like in any kind of classroom management kind of thing to pull from that realm, um, you know, when people do good, you want to re- want to praise them. And um, when people put forth their opinion, even though they might be a little scared to, I want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. I want to want to show other people who aren't at that place that that's that's good what they're doing. Yeah. I like that. I want that feedback. Um, give me the challenge. Give me your perspective here. Um, I don't know everything. I need your input here. I'm hearing something else, like a theme, sub-theme kind of pervading your conversation here, this idea of trust. And I think this idea that like, you've engendered trust with the congregation, and I think this has to be a foundation of any process, uh, like especially, 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 you know, a, a, a pastor who's, you know, more on the liberal end, working in a more conservative congregation, like, there's going to be, I think, a level of mistrust or distrust. And I think that can only come through time and relationship and patience. Yeah, that's another reason why I'm hesitant to leave. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I know this is a project for a long time. Yeah. Um, in my in my studies, I heard a stat once that it takes about seven years to really build up enough relational capital yeah. to to make a serious change. Yeah. Um, and I haven't been in my church seven years. It's just been about, th- well, in ministry about two, and then I've attended there a little bit longer. Um, but the preaching minister. He was a youth minister there for seven years and then became the preaching minister and he's done that for a couple of years. So and, and he's on board with a lot of the things kind of where I am. Mm-hmm. Um and so he definitely has, like I said, that relational capital to now we can start moving and we can start discussing things because people, you know, trust him because they trust us. Trust is definitely important. Yeah, that's one thing that I've always struggled with is not trust, but patience to wait those seven years. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, folks like, like you who have that kind of skill set, that's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So let me ask let me ask this then kind of as a follow up, like you talked about not wanting to leave. How do you know when it's time to leave? Like I imagine there's gonna be some situations where, you know, you're super conservative working in a super liberal church and you've tried to be patient and it's just not working or the, the converse, you're super liberal working in a super converse conservative church and folks just aren't interested in having conversations. Like how do you know, like, or, or maybe 
you know, maybe it's just like, I've done what all I can do here. Like, how do you know when the time is to say, hey, I'm done. This is, I've done my job. Yeah. That that seven year stat is probably a pretty good one. If you've been doing this for a while and have engendered their trust and then you try to make a change, it doesn't go over well. Hmm. Probably, you, you know, if you have a huge flop like that, you probably just lost a lot of that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for me personally, I think having kids would change things. Uh, my wife and I don't have kids. Um, yet probably in the future, um, we don't take our cat to church, so it doesn't <laughs> count. Um, and I think having kids is going to change all that because mm. I know I, I can function in this environment and sort of, um, be a chameleon and not hide what I truly believe, but, um, when somebody says an opinion that's against what I believe, I don't have to yell at them. I can just nod along or say, all right, all right, that's interesting perspective. Yeah. And, and you know, and my wife's wife's there too. So, like, we, like, know ourselves. Yeah. But then you start bringing kids into the mix, and at home they're being taught one thing, and at church it's totally different. Yeah. That's going to be, a, that's gonna be a, a larger issue. And I'm especially thinking of things like, um, if I have a daughter, um, because I believe in, you know, inclusive ministry that, mm-hmm. you know, women are totally able to be leaders in the church. Um, and my church is not at that point. Yeah. We're making some strides in that direction, but right now we're not at that point. Um, and, and so having a daughter and her being told or at least shown, yeah, yeah you can't really do that even if this is your gifting and your calling, yeah. Um, that would be really challenging. So hit me up again when I have kids and I'll see where I'm at. Um, but for right now, I'm I'm staying in this context, doing the best I can because I know myself mm-hmm. and my wife and we can manage, we can manage this um, mostly. So, yeah, it's so, it's so complicated and having kids, folks can probably hear my kid in the background right now. Um, and I think folks, it's such a, it's such a challenge for parents, um, to wrestle with. Um, last question before we take a break, what do you think conservative churches could learn from, you know, liberal progressive churches and and vice versa? Yeah. Um, in general, I think, um, I think conservative churches are really good at, um, kind of knowing what they believe, sticking with what they believe, um, really making that uh, a part of church life, making those beliefs foundational. Um, Then on the flip side, though, liberal churches are, they they have the advantage of taking some of those beliefs a little bit more looser, uh, asking those questions, understanding not everything's black and white so strangely enough the advantages of both i think also become the disadvantages um we need to draw some lines around some things Hmm. okay Uh, we need to have some convictions um i'm not saying that like liberal people like change their mind every day or something like that just every other Um, day (laughs) just every other day 
you know, we need to have some convictions yeah. um, that I think, at least historically speaking, conservatives are really good at having convictions, and then that that colors everything. Yeah. Um, and and then you know, many of my liberal friends are a lot better at asking some of those serious questions. Um, you know, questioning the status quo, and mm-hmm. and you can definitely fall into fundamentalism on the progressive side of things most definitely yeah but in general um they have they have a little more gifting in um you're just kind of looking at things in different perspective um examining some of those core beliefs so (laughs) kind of a kind of an interesting answer because they both have something to learn from each other again total generalizations Mm -hmm. but I think maybe in this case, um, you know, the two extremes are not going to be your best bet. You need to have some firm convictions while also uh, having those loose enough that you can change your mind if different evidence is presented, I suppose. Maybe that's a cop-out. I don't know. I don't think that's – I think that's – like I would say, like, I had some lines in my church – like I would tell people like the fair foul lines, like I'm a baseball fan. So I would think of that as like a baseball field, like the right field foul line was like, we are LGBTQ affirming. And, you know, if you're going to say anything that's, um, super anti-affirming, like this is probably not the church for you. If that's who you are, my other, my other like left field foul line was like, we are not, we're not substitutionary atonement theology people. Um, so if you want to like be blood and guts, like Jesus blood and guts, like all the time, probably not your jam. So that was like, I had some, I had some lines yeah. kind of think, And I don't think, I don't think that's impossible. And I think that gets to like the broader thing of like boundaries in life. I'm a big fan of boundaries. Not that they should always be rigid and impermeable, but I think generally like boundaries are a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Well, let's take a break. And uh, we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Jake Doberens. And uh, Jake, appreciate the conversation here. Tell me if you're Pope for a day. Well, here, I'll tell you this. You can take this as seriously or not as you want to. If you're Pope for a day, you know, what do you want to do? What's that day look like? Wow. Well, I think I would have to abolish myself being a Protestant <laughs> um, immediately. Just, yeah abolish the papacy immediately and uh, i need to get there you go i need to get more <laughs> catholics on the show because by far abolishing the papacy is the most common answer <laughs> oh no man i was cliche I especially amongst again here i'll tie in jake with our uh his restorationist siblings this is a very common answer amongst my disciples of christ colleagues who've been on the show <laughs> Well, I thought I was being original. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, A theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? Hmm. Um, Quite a few that I would want to have some questions for. Uh, The first one that actually popped in my mind um, is James Cone. I got to read him for the... Uh, for the first time last summer, 
and really enjoyed that work. Um, and he didn't die too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to say like 2018 or something. Yeah. Um, but I have, I have some questions for him reading, especially after reading the cross and lynching tree, but also his other works. And I think, I think he can speak into our culture today. Um, Definitely would love to see what he thinks about all these discussions and controversies regarding race and critical race theory and all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one I thought of. Yeah. Um, What do you think history will remember from our current time and place? I have a suspicion that the coronavirus pandemic is going to be remembered a little (laughs) bit. Um I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think, I think though, I guess back to, you know, race in America, mm-hmm. that um, I, I think some of the things we've experienced the last couple of years will be in the history books. Maybe not in the South, um, but <laughs> yeah. in everybody else's history books. Well, um, I don't know. I was reading about how Texas pretty much dominates the textbook landscape. Oh, interesting. Um, so so I, I think, you know, with the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. things and coronavirus, all, you know, all this kind of situations that we've been going through the last little bit, um, probably the Trump presidency too. Yeah. This is going to have stuff that's going to reverberate in the future. Like yeah. The good historians will not forget. Yeah. What do you hope for the future of Christianity? I hope we can play nice hmm. with each other um, and with outsiders um, I just wish, <laughs> just wish Christians would be Christ-like. Hmm. Is that so hard to ask? Feels like it sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I think listening is one of the most important skills we can have as a yeah. human being. Yep. Um, and especially as a Christian, uh, listening, understanding, having sympathy for the specifically for the other, the one that's totally different than you, Mm -hmm. that's going to go a long way. And I hope in the future we can really embrace that and put down our weapons and stop fighting each other and, and work together to, you know, make this world the kind of world that it's, that it should be. Yeah. Well, where can people find out more about you and uh, Theophany Media? Yeah. Theophany Media is at theophanymedia.com. Um, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at theophanymedia.com or at theophanymedia. I am at jakedobrins.com, Dobrins, D-O-B-E-R-E-N-Z. And um, I hang out there and also on those aforementioned social medias mm-hmm. at Jake Dobrins and occasionally write some things and stuff. And I have a newsletter. Uh, you can go to jakedobrins.com slash email. Um, and it's called Funny and Faithful, so once a week I send out a humorous newsletter with some kind of spiritual message to it. Why don't you, uh, it may not be appropriate or fit in the context for all listeners, but why don't you plug your book? Yeah, my book is... Before it? <laughs> I might have it closer to me than <laughs> <Yeah>. you do. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my book is Who We Are, um... It's, it's subtitled Seven Christian Identities to Shape Your Life. 
it's it's geared towards a little bit of a younger audience, twenty somethings, mm-hmm. um, which is where I fit in. And um, I just want us to kind of start the conversation about thinking about what does a Christ-centered identity look like? And specifically, what are some kind of identities that we sort of pick up from the world that we need to throw away? Hmm. Um, So it kind of gets the conversation going. um, But ultimately, I hope the book is, is step one and step two is to be involved in a church community. That's where that identity really gets formed with other believers, not reading a book. Um, that's just the beginning. Well, I appreciate this conversation. I'm a big believer in conversations and listening and learning from one another. So thanks so much for being on and joining me. And uh, wish you wish you well. May God's peace be with you. Thank you so much. Love being here. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace.